Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks. My name is Mike Hensley and I'm your host. And today we are talking about maple sugaring history, which is super exciting. Yeah. yeah. And we have a special guest today. And her name is... Beth. Burback. <laughs> and Beth, tell us your title here at the park. My title is the accounting clerk, which is super exciting. But I've been able to have the opportunity to do a lot of things here at the park. so Including help us out with this podcast. So, yeah, Beth does a lot more than the accounting clerk, just so you know. She keeps us all... Um, she keeps us afloat. Literally, like, in terms of finances and like, the do's and don'ts of things. Like, she's usually the person we go to yes. uh, for most Aww. things. But Beth also secretively, behind the scenes, loves history. So mm -hmm. that's why I invited her on this episode because I knew she would have done her research, one, and two, have valuable input to the conversation for <laughs> a history of maple sugaring. The other really cool thing is... What I didn't realize is in college, I was a history major um, when I started out. And then mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this, man, I don't know why I stopped like being into history as much when I was doing, you know, digging a little deeper. Because as Beth would like message me and text me, I'd be like, oh, crap, I need to go deeper because she's going farther <laughs> than I am. So, <laughs> so what I did, and then I started to read some like scholarly articles again, and which I haven't really done a lot in terms of history in a while. And then I realized why I got out. And it is the format of writing that most history uh, writing is done in. It's Chicago style format. And mm -hmm. I'm not a great writer. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's problem one. <laughs> and two, like I remember, cause like in high school, you're always taught MLA or APA, right? When in college, yep, yep, they, yeah. they transition you to APA. And then when I got into college, I'm like, there's another one. I have to relearn the whole thing. <laughs> the whole concept of footnotes is what killed me and what did me in. Yes. So, but anyway. Well, that sounds terrible. Yeah, I it know. Was, it was a stinking nightmare. Like, see, I'm already confused. <laughs> I will say as a history major, footnotes were really hard. Yeah. So it was just, I mean, after you probably get used to it after a while and you're fine with it. But I remember like. I was writing a paper and I'm like, this, this, I can't do this. I cannot do this. <laughs> so then I switched to environmental education. So there we go. Um, but anyway, so today, our last episode, we had talked about the process of maple sugaring and kind of how it works today and how we do it here at the park district. And now we're going to talk about um, a history of maple sugaring because it has a really rich, fascinating history, kind of how um, it got started and how it's kind of evolved into what it is now. So, Beth, I'm going to let you start off, if you want to, um, okay. kind of talk a little bit about um, the way Native Americans did it. And, like, I'll chime in. And, Melissa and Cheryl, if you guys have any questions or anything, feel free to let them rip. All right. Oh, I'm sure <laughs> there will be questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this will be the Beth and Mike talk. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, you don't want it. Stuff. Don't, don't give me that permission. I'll talk forever if you just like, <laughs> like I'll just keep going. So, so, okay. <laughs> so um, the first things that I was finding with the history is pretty much the Native Americans in North America were the ones that started this whole process. So it wasn't the Europeans. Native Americans were doing this long before European settlers even set foot here. And they had different uh, mythologies or legends. Mm -hmm. And I think 
you even found some of these, Mike, some of the legends? Yeah, I use, uh, they have different names for them all. It's, it's crazy. Each, I guess each tribe has a different name for each one. The ones yeah. that I, I'm familiar with, one was the Gluscap is one. <laughs> yeah. Is that one you found? Forgiveness for saying words wrong, FYI. Yeah, so. yeah. And I'm not up on my Native American tongues, so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, Gluscap seemed to be the one, uh, it was the cultural hero of the Waba, Wabanakai tribe of the Northeast, so in New England. And that was their person that they had. And so it was like their creator. And he had a lot of different names. And it kind of all of these uh, legends talk about a person or a being that kind of showed the people where the sap was. So um, it talked about Glooscap. He saw all these people laying down in the maple grove. And they were just laying on their backs with their eyes closed and they were enjoying the sap just drip into their mouth. So they're getting really lazy is basically how it goes. Which is how, which is how <laughs> I would do it if I had that option. I know. Heck yeah. <laughs> right. So um, he talks about like he dips birch bark into some water and then he dilutes that sap. So you have to work harder to get that same mm -hmm. sap. So and then it says rise up people. The trees are no longer filled with the maple syrup the creator gave to you. So it's just kind of the change from naturally, it was very plentiful, but now people have to work to get that same like reward. Yeah, yeah. And I had um, come across a few other in my time of developing this program over time um, yeah. that had shown like um, there was a chief at one point had taken his hatchet and smacked mm -hmm. it into the side of a tree and left it there. And his mm -hmm. wife came back and he had set his uh, things that he was carrying down with him and she had noticed that it was dripping down his hatchet and into yeah. a bucket and she took that and added it to his meat and then mm. had realized hey this is pretty stinking good like we're gonna keep doing this <laughs> that's awesome i did Crazy see that one things are like discovered yeah i mean like <laughs> It, uh, I'm if just you gonna think lick about this it, off the tree. It, it could have been an accident. It literally <laughs> could have been an accident. So. Oh, did did you see the other uh, legend about the Nokomis no. or the Nuabozo? Oh no, I I did see that name, and I thought I'm not gonna dig too deep into that one because I already have like two or three in my brain. And I'll start confusing names when I'm trying to teach it to people. <laughs> I know. I I had to say it a couple of times to myself. I'm like. Can I even say this word right? Because <laughs> yeah. I want to. But um, the Nuabozu is, I guess, the grandson of Nokomis in the legend. So mm -hmm. Nokomis is a grandmother, and that's actually the word in Native American for grandmother. Oh. Is, yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat how they worked, how maybe the language came from the legend, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, it's kind of a similar tale of like this. The syrup in and of itself is really rich mm -hmm. and see how much people aren't hunting or farming. And so they decided to like dilute it so people can go back to working a little bit. Well, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, in the wintertime, food's a lot more scarce in terms of, you know, crop. And then they're not getting as much meat and it's cold. So it was an extra source of energy for them, you know. Mm -hmm. So they found a, a basically an extra easier mm -hmm. way to yeah. s supply themselves through winter so or the mm -hmm. the end of winter there so mm -hmm. yeah. the, the definitely important point i kept finding was that time period 
that the maple syrup was running. Mm -hmm. That's Oh yeah, it's it's very important. And when the Native Americans really started to like collect it in a mass, um, they would cut. So they did it very. When you think about it in terms of a naturalist, for me in my brain, when I hear this, I kind of cringe a little bit. They used to cut, literally a mm. giant V into the side of a tree. Like I'm not talking <laughs> yeah. like just a little yeah. baby V. Like I'm talking like a big, big chunk, like big V. Like you could see it walking through the woods, and. They would take the bark from the maple tree and use it to run down into birch bark baskets. Um, so, I mean, they were probably, and you, you know, they're taking, they're stripping the complete, all the bark off completely in that V to get mm -hmm. down to that, that xylem layer or that sap flow layer that you need mm -hmm. to for it to come out of there. So mm -hmm. that I think was the only thing. And then they came up with this, I didn't know if they came up with the word. They use this word is called sins buckwood. Did you see that? I did. The the, the drawn from uh, trees, which makes perfect sense because the sap is drawn from the trees. But they would, that was like their standard word for it until maple sugar was a thing. So, <laughs> yeah, that one, um, that word went with Algonquin, I think. Yeah, Algonquin. That's what. Yeah, that's what I have. And then the Chippewa and Ottawa were the the Goose Cap people. So yeah. That I did see, I think I just have fun like wondering how words were, but Ojibwe used to call it shishi gumavis, which means mm. sap flows fast. So oh. that's another interesting way to. But it doesn't flow that fast. <laughs> it was pretty slow. <laughs> well, relative to how you had to get things at that time, True. that was probably the least. Yeah, I don't know if. Even if somebody was like, oh, just try cutting a giant bee into the tree to see what it does, <laughs> I still couldn't do it. Yeah. I could not justify, like, hacking into the tree like that and damaging it. Well, on that um, webinar we listened to, what, last week? Mm -hmm. And how they were talking about the different depths that they yeah. were putting. They're called spiles, right? Yes. Okay, so putting the spiles in, and if you go any farther than an inch, if I'm remembering correct, doesn't really have any effect on how much you get out anyway yeah i heard when i was listening to that i had heard some of them say like they were putting the spile in or the the spiles in two inches and i'm like two inches like i got i got like, like terrified like a big tree that's real thick you know you do have to go a little bit deeper um for like a you know when we're talking about a tree that can take f three or four taps uh because yeah. that bark layer might be a little thicker there might be a rivet in it or an indent but yeah, two inches is wild. Like I was always taught an inch. I always put a piece of tape on the drill bit and then just go to that into oh. that piece of tape. So, so yeah. you, since you do it on a regular basis, Mike, what is a half inch too small? Or because you said an inch, is that just an approximate for you? Uh, yeah, I go an inch on the the drill bit to go into the tree. Got it. So I'm not going. You, I mean, obviously, if you go all the way into the center of the tree, that's going to be a big problem. But you want to have a good heel on the tree later. Um, okay. you know, so it doesn't go too deep and then more bacteria can be introduced that way. And then the, tr the tree is going to do no good. So, gotcha. so yeah. And then, um, Beth, did you have anything else for native Americans in terms of what they did? Oh, well, um, along with the, well, there was another legend, but, um, as far as how they did it, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the slashing. Mm -hmm. Um, so later Europeans did the spile because they realized that that was maybe hurting the tree. They couldn't do it as well. Uh -huh. um, but with Native Americans, when they collected the sap, they didn't have like a lot of times now you'll see metal will yeah. use like 
metal evaporators, metal buckets. So what they had is they had like birch bark or hollowed out logs, mm-hmm. which troughs, and they were very like shallow. So you could collect the sap um, and they would make these huge sugar camps. So basically they would move a whole family into this area at this time and everybody would be working together. Whoa. I know. Because it's like a season, like, you know, how we have fall season and harvesting season. So mm-hmm. um, it was kind of neat to see how they harvested it. And then they would have different ways that they could actually separate the water from the sugar. Um, so I read there, because most of the time today, I think we think of boiling. Um, yeah. That's the way I think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they brought up a couple different uh, ways that they did it. So in order to get it hot, but they didn't have metal, they used hot stones that they would put into those troughs to oh. boil. Do you guys remember that trough I made? Uh, I that big yeah. piece of oak? That. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's what they would do. They would make those. So they t- would heat up the rocks and then put those into the hollowed out part of the tree trunk. Where the sap yeah. is, yeah. The What was collecting the sap. Oh. Yeah. Whoa. Because you don't have like, you have like pottery and ceramics, but then you think it gets heavy and like conducting heat. Too hot, with- yeah. Yeah. Just being, just um, think about like how intelligent and how creative Native Americans had to be to be like, okay, well, we know this water's like, they didn't know that. I mean, they probably had a term for it, but the term of evaporation, like youth, that's what you think of now. And they're like, yeah. oh, like, mm-hmm. we got this. That's fine. We'll just throw these rocks in there. It'll get it off there. It'll get the water off there. Yeah. To know and to have the, the the sharp enough brain to realize that there's enough sugar in there that I can evaporate the water off of it. Like mm-hmm. that just blows my stinking mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, yeah. Who was the first person who decided, yeah, let's try this and see what happens. <laughs> like, I'm going to carry a big, heavy, hot stone and put right. it. In, like, <laughs> well, And the things that they would use to move the stones was really cool. They would either make like basically a set of tongs mm-hmm. and they would use sinew to like kind of grab the end of it and use a poker, but they would also use deer antlers to oh. scoop them up. Um, out of the fire and then drop them right back into the to the sap so it's like macgyver before macgyver yeah i have i was gonna say do you guys feel like as a society now we just don't like do that we just overcome i'm i'm pretty i can come up with solutions very quickly um for a lot of stuff yeah but but like like, it's very modernized though in native american times they couldn't just go to target (laughs) and get whatever they needed like somebody had to know how or do it or or figure it out they have an idea at some point they had to make knives out of like cutting utensils out of rocks like (laughs) like like what yeah what are we doing with our lives yeah what are we doing (laughs) we've we've oversimplified it (laughs) and i also think like part of that plays into that and the ingenuity that they had was like for survival. So we're uh-huh. so distracted nowadays, but like if they didn't take advantage of everything that they saw, they were really in tune, then they may not survive that winter time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when colonists got here, they were the ones that showed them, you know, h- how to grow crops, how, how to sugar, how to do all that stuff. Like, if it weren't for the Native Americans, yeah. early European settlers would not have made <laughs> yeah. it. Like, there's no well, way. <laughs> exactly. Even uh, colonists, not... when they came, the things they brought didn't work over here at first. Yeah. So we're prepared. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work here. Yeah. So yeah. Native Americans were like, we'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> really nice to do that. Um, the fact that they 
Native Americans looked around. That was part of one of their myths. Uh, the Iroquois one talks about them seeing a squirrel, like at the sap nibbling oh. a branch. I now I remember that one. It was a red squirrel specifically nibbling yeah, so a branch. Like, they're like, what is that squirrel doing? Maybe I should see what's inside that tree. Like they <laughs> yeah. cues from nature. So looking yeah. at the animals around them. So here's and, another one. I don't know if you know this, but I use this when I teach the program. Um, <laughs> so if they used the yellow-bellied sapsucker to help them to find the maple trees that were good for tapping or any tree that was good for tapping because the sapsucker gets their true name because they drill what's called a sap well. So if you go over to a maple tree, um, sometimes birch trees will have them too. They have a, a basically looks like a, a line of hmm. little holes all the way going up the tree. And they, we call these sap wells. And so for a long time, they thought, well, Native Americans saw them. were like, hey, they're that, that he's going there for that sap. So it must be beneficial for him. It must have something he needs. Mm-hmm. But for a long time until recently, not not like today, but like 20, 30 years ago, they had figured out that not only were those sap suckers getting sap from the well, but insects are coming to that sap well. And they're feeding on that sap. And then the sap suckers are like doubling down. They're getting oh. sap and getting the protein that they need from the insects as well. So look at that smart That's bird. So I always turn so it back. Cool. I, I always turn it back into birds. You do. <laughs> Always. As someone who doesn't know as much about birds, I'm thankful you turn it back to birds. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but, and like that, like, and now I remember the first time I I had found my first, like, like noticed sap wells. And I was like, well, I've seen these before, but never really knew what it was. Yeah. And now, like, you see them everywhere and all the time. They're like, holy crap, these birds are so smart. I know. (laughs) So maybe it was a bird or a red squirrel that actually helped them figure it out, not these other stories. It was a guy. Yeah, it was one of the people just sitting there watching, and he's like, man, what is that bird doing? He was a bird watcher. (laughs) (laughs) The original bird watcher. Uh, (laughs) But I mean, it is true. Like, I feel like a lot of the native legends are based on watching what animals do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even when people came here from, like, colonists came here from Europe later, like, most of them like were naturalists like and i say that because like they were coming first to explore to see what was going on and yeah. what what benefits it would it would provide everyone else so they had to be in touch with what was going on and you know you're learning a whole new landscape and animals and plants and all that stuff so so yeah could you imagine going somewhere and not having a field guide no <sighs> You've thought about that so many times. That like, right there gives me anxiety. <laughs> like, like, I'm just going to go to a new country and we'll figure it out if these planes can kill us or not. <laughs> you try that one. I'll try this one. <laughs> we'll go from like, there. They slept in a bed of poison ivy. Like, yeah. noted. Uh, I'm real itchy now. Yeah. That's just what your, that's what your notebook says. Draw this, this one made me itchy. Yeah. <laughs> I've thought about what you just said with the no field guide. When I hear animals in the woods and you don't know what they are, Uh like just imagine you come and you don't know. It sounds like human beings sometimes out in the woods making noises and you're like, and like how like unsettling that would be if you had no context for that. We've talked about Mm -hmm. this before, but the stinking, if you, the first time you hear a barn owl, I don't know how on earth (laughs) 
someone was like, I'm not getting murdered today. Yeah. <laughs> well, they thought they were ghosts. Yeah. I mean, like legitimately thought that they were ghosts. They had no idea that well, it was an owl for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Loud scream, white thing flying through the air. What else could it be? Exactly. It's a, it's a murder ghost. It's a- they do sound like murder ghosts, so <laughs> I don't blame them. So, and like there are so many other animals that you know make awkward, weird sounds that we've all been like. I mean, all kinds of frogs. I mean, yeah, like a wood frog sounds like a rubber boot in the middle of a <laughs> forest. <Squeak. laughs> yeah. So, so this will be an easy transition into the way that. Um, colonists and Europeans um, kind of developed this trade as well. And now, and then eventually passed it on, you know, to future generations. Um, So from my understanding of it is some people would send their kids with native American tribes that they trusted and were friends with to kind of see how the process was done. (laughs) What do you think? Different. <laughs> no, like I'm just gonna send my kid with these people into the wilderness. Good luck. We'll see you later. <laughs> Be home for dinner. <laughs> yeah. You better come back with some of the sugar. I'm not playing around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually. Uh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No. Um, one of the accounts that I came across wasn't a voluntary send, but they were taken captive and they lived with Native Americans for a time in their life. Yeah. So, oh. The account came at the end of their life when they explained what they saw with actually using a process of freezing, too. That was another process that was used. Which I use secretively sometimes, too. So if it gets really cold, I just remove the ice off. It's cool. Sometimes I'll leave the ice, though, because if it's going to be a warmer day, then I'll leave the ice because I want it to, you know, preserve the sap and everything. But if if you remove that ice off of there, you can taste, like... If I were to take go get the, the maple that's right out here on the other side of my office wall, and we were to take sap from that right now, you guys could taste it, and you'd be like, oh, it's just kind of like water. Yeah. I mean, because it's 2% sugar, so at, at its highest. And if we remove that ice off of there, then you're like, holy cow, because then it gets down <laughs> to about 50. It's about 50-50 at that point once you remove some of that ice off of there. Oh. So. Yeah. so it's pretty nifty. Hmm. And I had to double check that account because they said a James Smith. And I was like, like, is this James Smith from Jamestown? James? <laughs> There's probably like 87 <laughs> James Smiths at that time. Not the same dude. So, oh. um, and then, you know, early colonists kind of, um, like Beth had mentioned earlier, kind of modernized it. You know, they had wooden buckets. They did the spile thing. Um, they were using, you know, like an auger type um drill bit and they were using a mm. uh, smooth and staghorn sumac because you know how porous that is in there um mm. beth might not know how porous the staghorn sumac <laughs> is on the inside but cheryl and melissa yeah. know what i'm talking about so you can easily kind of clear that out and then the sap can flow right down through that so that was really cool and the cool thing about it is is you can take the staghorn sumac and make like a really long spile because you mm. can because it's so porous and so easy to cut through you could it it can like trickle down like for like a I can like I made one for programming yeah and it's like a I good two it. or three inches long and it can go down into a bucket depending on where you tap the tree so like mm-hmm. a little like a little marble track is the the best way I can explain it to you to make you understand <laughs> like a little hollow tube yeah like, yeah just sure. like that mm-hmm. yeah. so cool. 
I should have brought one here. You would have seen it. Been like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm envisioning <laughs> in my brain. Um, and then the 1800s, I think, was when it really started to take off is when you get, mm-hmm. um, you know, you start seeing they're yeah. using cast iron. They're using and then the, f- the flat metal pans are a big deal at that point. And then there's a big change after that. So, And they went from like like you were saying, the 1800s, it took off. They used to before that like your blacksmith places would like do double the work. Like they would be the sugaring. So you would have like one place that worked for multiple. I didn't uh, know that. Functions. Yeah. And then like 1800s. Nope. Just a sugar house. Like <laughs> they started making the specific because the production was so high. So oh. like it was really important. And it was a way to when they started making this is it was cheaper because white sugar was really expensive and you had to get that imported but also white sugar um at the time because if we're getting into like the 1800s you're starting to get into the time when the civil war happens so people don't want to have white sugar because it has to do it became like for abolitionists in new england they didn't want to have white sugar because it had to do with slavery yeah Hmm. they start tapping which is where i'm gonna segue to this thomas jefferson um was a huge advocate for maple sugar for two reasons. One, he wanted to further separate us from the English um, mm-hmm. because they were all tied into that sugarcane thing. And then he also, um, even though he, he owned an extremely high amount of slaves, um, but he wanted to uh, eliminate that slave trade and that labor with the cane sugar, as Beth had mentioned. So he would like go around the North because he tried to grow his own maple grove in Virginia where he lived, but he was not successful because yeah. they don't have the right climate. Right. So it took mm. him a while to figure it out. So, and his trees weren't doing good and they weren't growing really fast and he was having a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So he eventually just started like petitioning people like, Hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And got a lot of people on board and got a lot of people started at their own house, kind of figuring out themselves that they could do it. So, yeah which was really, really cool. Yeah. Cool. Like amidst all this that was happening with Jefferson and then later Civil War, like in this huge production, that's when you have your first uh, evaporator that I was patented in like 1858. So the idea of the evaporator, like we used to. Do you have the company written down? I wish I did. I'm pretty sure it's leader evaporator. That I would. I'm almost positive that it is which is yeah. where most people order their maple sugaring products from. Oh. So, hobby and commercial. <laughs> so, um, so Thomas Jefferson had a friend that was very, very influential in helping him kind of make up um, these kind of rules for maple sugaring. And his name was Benjamin Rush. Did you come across that? I did. And I, as a history person, was geeking out because I recently my interest was peaked in Benjamin Rush because of something else. So yeah. I was like, oh, he's showing up in maple syrup. and <laughs> <laughs> It's Beth's like, Beth's like batting her eyes like, oh, it's a dream. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a friend to uh, John Adams and mm-hmm. Jefferson, and he fixed their broken relationship. He was like, Hot people dog. don't talk. But he was a doctor during the Revolutionary War and very important to the whole he like introduced John Adams back to the U.S. and like what was happening. Oh, wow. So people don't talk about him. 
He doesn't have a good PR person. Well, he, I'm cool. I'm cool with him just because of the whole maple sugaring thing. So me and him are, would have been boys. Like we would have been. Fine. <laughs> you boys. <laughs> just have this image of you and Benjamin Rush, like, like bro, bro hugging. <laughs> <laughs> He probably wouldn't have bro hugged me. He probably would have been like, "What's wrong with this guy? <laughs> He's clinically insane." Oh, oh. that's great. Oh. So, so yeah, so that's a good thing that you found because that is true. It had to do with the people who were kind of proponents of it too that made it kept it going. Yeah, so. and and he he made up like this uh, like he had like a big plan for sugar bushes like and he would. I wouldn't say sell it to people, but he would like pitch it to them and how, how to, you know, do it in, at their house and stuff like that. So that was always, you know, beneficial for him. And I think Jefferson's mind on the process, like I think his, his plan was w like well thought out and like it was a good idea. I think he just didn't know enough about, because like he was even trying to get at first was trying to get like some trees in the south and get people to do it down there, but I don't think he realized like those mm. people couldn't do it. Like it just wasn't the same. And then he had this like idea that child labor would also be involved in this. Like the kids would do it during the day, which blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the kids would just take over the whole process. Like I don't see that going well. <laughs> We're talking about horses and kids out in the woods. Like they're going to just screw around and spill a bunch of buckets of sap and that's just money. <laughs> like, so. like, and that's something too, like the idea of kids being like that is a modern thing because back then, if you were fortunate, you went to school. Most mm -hmm. kids were already doing apprenticeships. Yeah. So and that would like, have been a like, get those kids working. This is before labor laws. I would <laughs> way before um, <laughs> I would have been probably a maple sugar apprentice. I would have tried to be. Yeah. I want to do that. <laughs> be a maple sugar apprentice. Yeah. As a kid. Absolutely. I get to be outside. True. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the best way to actually, I feel like learn a skill uh, or task. By hand. Yeah. Oh, percent. By hand some people can read some people can watch a video i have to physically do it with my hands like, same yeah I'm just better at that same yeah. here well, i you feel learn. like i need a background first yeah like i a, like you, to watch a video like somebody needs mm -hmm. to talk i can't read it if i read it i don't i don't know anything i can read facts yeah. and i can read like side information but like if i'm going to complete a task like i need to do something like mm -hmm. physically like manipulate fix an engine so i need somebody to show me how to do it and then like walk me through the process a little bit like yeah mm -hmm. okay what did i do wrong what am i doing wrong mm -hmm. like yeah i would have never made it in a big college not ever <laughs> no way <laughs> i do like reading and i do probably do that first when i learn something but i feel like when you do the task sometimes you learn what's between the lines or the rhythm yeah. So like you can read the directions to something, but when you're doing it, you're like, oh, this is why you wait this long, or this is why you do it this way. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes reading about, it won't tell you all that. Just the practice gives you that. Mm -hmm. All right. Two things. Number one, do you read directions when you put something together, Cheryl? Yes or no? Yes. Melissa, yes or no? It depends. Beth, yes or no? 
Yes. I don't, and then I immediately have to go back and fix something that my wife told me I forgot. <laughs> so, fun fact, I learned maple sugaring trial by fire. So this is why. The naturalist who was at the previous park district I was at before, his mother had passed away right when we were supposed to start. So he basically called me and said, all right, you're going to do it because we can't not do it because yeah. we have people. <laughs> he said, so what you're going to do is you're just going to call me when you run into a problem. I said, um, I'm going to call you a lot. <laughs> I have a problem. <laughs> so the first thing was, the first thing was, I was like, he's like, just tap the trees I tapped last year. And I'm like, okay, Greg, I remember where those are. Yeah. So then I had to go around the woods finding the trees with tap holes in them. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. goodness. So that was number one. So that is why I mark our trees now. <laughs> so That's I don't have to go looking for tap holes. Number so two, then that was the tapping and collecting. Like that was the easy part. It was when you get into evaporating. So like I'm calling him as I'm evaporating on the stove. He's like, all right, you have to keep it between 219 and 221. You, you just can't let it get anywhere in between or above that. Below is fine, but anywhere above is just a disaster. And like, I boiled it over in the kitchen of the nature center I worked at and set the fire <laughs> alarm off. Oh! So, and at that nature center, when you set the fire alarm off, the only people who can shut it off is the fire department. Oh, so the fire no. department had to come <laughs> and shut it off. So, That's a well, be, and the only reason for that is because we had an elevator. So oh. they're the only people that can reset the elevator. Oh, oh, it was goodness. a nightmare. An elevator? What was that like? <laughs> well, it was just one floor. I never used yeah, it unless I had something heavy. You didn't feel like you were dying every time you walked down scary steps? Well, we didn't have scary steps. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we have a couple scary steps. Well, yeah, like those, <laughs> those steps are made for people's feet like, from 40 years ago <laughs> one and two like they were prisoners they didn't care if they fell <laughs> so at our office most of you know that we have it are, we're an old prison we work in a prison so, oh <laughs> we go to jail every day um all of our programming equipment we store upstairs which is all fine and great until you're trying to carry like seven boxes down because you don't want to do it eight times <laughs> and you almost fall down the stairs and it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my work. Like that's the thing I try to put off as long as I can is moving um, life jackets from the coupling to <laughs> upstairs because it's like 14 <laughs> trips up the stairs. Yeah. Like it's so. like you're going back in time when you do it. You're going back to a time when safety wasn't like preeminent. <laughs> like, get the yeah. job done. Yeah. Yep. So um, maple sugaring was f wildly amazing. And it easily, in my opinion, it could have, it could have eliminated uh, cane sugar or white yeah. sugar had enough people, I think, gotten on board. Um, and, one other thing that I found out about Benjamin Rush is he kind of died um, without, you know, pitching this idea to like big investors or anything. Like he never, mm. he never ever like was just like, here, let's like, I would have went to the richest people I could find and be like, yo, let's do this. You yeah. want me to help you make more money? Like, I got you. Like, that's what he would have done. Um, so one thing that I found out 
was that in 1880, more than 36 million pounds of maple sugar were produced in the U.S. Not talking about Canada, just the U.S. At the time, was valued of $4 million. Whoa. Like that, I was like, what? Like that's insane. And then cane sugar, obviously, like, you know, you're getting taxed it take it import it and everything like it would maple sugar just would have paid for itself and it's it's better my opinion yeah well one thing i as somebody who's new to this conversation about like tapping trees and stuff Mm -hmm. they didn't always have a syrup they had they tapped the trees and they made it sugar yeah that was primarily what they did yeah because it held longer and they actually had three types of that sugar so this really like he was saying four million like people use this it was different types of sugar to replace your white sugar. Like instead of today where we normally see it as syrup. Mm-hmm. Which oh. takes a little bit longer if you go down all the way to the sugar um, to get mm-hmm. it down and you can easily scorch it. So making it, I know, is probably a lot more difficult than yeah. regular sugar. You so. should make it again because now I want to bake cookies with it. Yeah, that's oh. right. I did make it last year you with the, some or the year before with some of that leftover stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very delicate process, though. Like, I have to, like, basically, I just sit there and stir with a wooden spoon until it turns into crystallized sugar. Wow. And it looks like drug paraphernalia, if I'm going to be honest. Yep. <laughs> like, it really does. Like, if you get pulled over by a cop with with a Ziploc bag of Michael's pure maple sugar, he's going to be like, this is not, this is, you're going to prison today, buddy. <laughs> no, just taste it. I <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. going to do that. <laughs> He's going to get out his little drug kit and be like, all right, you're not lying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, I remember, I'll never forget my buddy when we were, I was still in West Virginia. He, he went to school in Morgantown, WVU, and he came over and I gave him some. And I was like, if you get pulled over with this, you have to just, just show him right away. And he's like, why would I just show him? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Do you have anything you want to show me? And just hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> This looks like it's something, but it's not. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you'd get away with it more. But anyway, (laughs) so the whole process of it. And then, as we had mentioned in the last episode, um, after they had kind of refined it even more, then you introduce that reverse osmosis, which happens later. And that's just eliminating water and making, you know, their product faster. Um, The vacuum seals and everything. You know, we're doing minimal damage to the trees now. Um, not a lot of people do any larger than a 5 16th spile. Um, there's a 7 16th spile you can use, but not too many people use those anymore. Uh-huh. It's because you don't want that big of a hole in there, especially with all of our invasive species and stuff now. Just yeah. easy mm-hmm. access for them to shoot in there and start spreading all over the world. Yeah, so. It's like a welcome sign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eat me. <laughs> Just yeah. write it right next to it. Yeah. A little. Free food and stay. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't even know about that many invasive species until I worked here. And you, the conversations that just open up, I'm like, that's invasive? That's invasive? Yeah. I had no clue. Like, it's overwhelming at some points. It is. Like, yeah. Like the to insects think about alone. It. It's like so many. I always share with you guys when there's a new one coming and you guys, I feel like everybody just like, oh, here we yeah. go again. Or like rolls their eyes or like, why does he do this to us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. We just avoid them until they're here. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, is it in Ohio yet? And then nope. worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get. To, that's not our problem yet. And so, which is Which isn't a great practice. It will be. But, <laughs> but not right now. We got other. We, we're dealing with the forty-seven thousand other ones. <laughs> All right, Beth. So we do a um, news article oh. every week. So we're gonna transition into the news article. <laughs> So I did this one, um, not related to maple sugaring, because people have heard two things of maple sugaring already, <laughs> and it's it's not really even science related. It's kind of um, it's just weird oh. and creepy a little bit. So just is everybody a weird one? It, well, but it's history related. So oh. history cool. always has the creepiest things ever. Okay, so we all know who Lizzie Borden is, right? No. Uh, yeah. No. Okay, so little <laughs> ditty. <laughs> You want to go with the ditty? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. What what did she do? Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Oh, my god! terrifying. That's terrifying. So she brutally murdered Why her parents. Why is there a song? <laughs> <laughs> it's the same way like you can bring around the Rosie. History just likes to make little ditties out of really oh, weird goodness. Beth, things. we might have just found the trailer clip. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So anyway, Lizzie Borden murdered her parents brutally. Um, like hacked them up real good. Forty, 40 and forty one. Wax apparently. <laughs> so who counted? I, I, obviously a coroner. Oh. She, <laughs> I don't think it would sound good if yeah. there was like Lizzie or Lizzie Borden gave her dad twenty seven wax. It just doesn't go good with the song. It doesn't have the flow, <laughs> it, huh? Well, I always like second guess myself on the number, but I'm like the song, it just goes well. So that's how you remember it. Yeah. Oh. It's it's a hook. It's like yeah. any other type yeah. of yep. song or catchy, like bum, 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 we are farmer. See, <laughs> Red Robin, yep. yum. It's all those. It's <laughs> all by the way, those. I'm slightly embarrassed by my singing. So, you know, well, I'm just I'm a history person. It's good. It's now it's ready for the whole world. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she was accused of murdering her parents but uh her house the house that she murdered in is being sold as a bed and breakfast <gasps> beth is excited i'm terrified and cheryl doesn't know what to think <laughs> um so i'm gonna buy that house i'm moving <laughs> i'm Ew. just kidding not really uh this is terrifying to me but the price i think is what made me stop on this article Take a roundabout guess of how much you think it's going for. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Go ahead, Melissa. 4.6 million. Oh, gosh. Lord. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Such a specific number, one. And two, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you had that loaded and ready to go. 4.6 million. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Beth, what do you think? Oh, I'm horrible at these things. Uh, I'm going to say 260,000. All right, Cheryl. I was going to say 150. 150,000? 150, yeah. Melissa's the closest. 2 million. <gasps> what? $2 million. Because there's a story with it. You they always hike up the price. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Melissa, if she ever has to sell her house, there were six murders in here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so no, blame. I have to finish my house first couldn't pay me two million dollars to stay in that house but what if somebody buys it and they open it to the public that's what i'm wondering is somebody I, will like 
I'm thinking some historical society's gonna buy that bad boy. That's because one. she murdered her parents. Like uh. she, it was because she was a woman who was on trial, and they didn't want to convict her. Like they don't convict women back then, so it was a big deal. Was this before the Salem witch trials? <laughs> All right, witches are different, but 1890s was <laughs> 1892 was when she hatcheted everyone up. Yeah. So it was difficult to prove like people like the evidence was there, but they didn't think women would do something like that. So it was like a. (laughs) How dare you think a nice woman like that would hack somebody up? How dare you? (laughs) Hack two people. Two? And her parents. Her parents. It's not funny, but it's Uh, funny. Yeah, I think it was her father and I think it was her stepmother. If I remember the story right. Yeah. I mean, this was also this was also back before like there's a true diagnosis of mental health issues. Yeah. So you don't hack somebody up just because you're angry at them. I can see punching somebody in the face. That, yeah, I can get that. (laughs) But like hacking somebody up, you know, there's only two ways that it it's logical that it would be like okay, she had to be defending herself, like she thought her life was going to get taken, or she has a mental health issue. So. Yeah. Or some deep seated thing she never like. <laughs> yeah, like, that too. We need to have a talk. Yeah. Before, <laughs> before you you hatchet us up here. Oh, right. So. Yeah. Terrifying. I just yeah. don't know how you would open a museum about that. Um, all you have to do is like grab some hatchet, <laughs> per, like paint like raccoon blood on it, and be like, "That was the hatchet she used to bury inside of her dad." Like, <laughs> oh man, I yeah, you could sell it. Yeah. Who's gonna think that it's fake? Yeah. Well, I mean, people all the time, like small towns have things about their local history that you would be like, why is this a museum? But people are have pride in whatever that history is, whether it be like, yay, let's know about this. Or this is kind of a odd story. But yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Wait a second. Do your guys' towns have any like weird like monuments or anything? Because my hometown did. And I'll tell you here in a second what it was. Uh-huh. Um, there was a exhibit at a museum here in town of somebody who had um, like a disability and her feet grew really large. So there's giant shoes in this exhibit. Hmm. How do I not know about that? <laughs> I know. So because you guys I didn't grow up in museum, Beth, so that's Beth, how I know. Beth loves history. She worked at the museum, and she's lived in Sandusky with the exception of college, right? Almost her whole life. Yeah, forever. Yeah. <laughs> Anything weird in the good old land of Port Clinton for you we two? We just have a weird fish. <laughs> yeah. Wiley the walleye. Uh, I can't think of anything. I'm... Yeah, I don't think there's like a... I mean, out on Catawba, there's the the gatekeeper's house, but that's like the the person who would light the lighthouse. That's where they lived. Yeah. Hmm. I, mean, that's I can't think cool. of something like weird. I mean, maybe random mm-hmm. exhibits about the War of 1812, but yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, where I grew up, I grew up in a town called Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, and inside of the town, there's like this little township called the Town of Bath because we have mm-hmm. these natural hot springs, and there was this tiny little, like, five by it's five feet long, and it was probably like three feet deep and they claimed that George Washington took a bath in this bathtub 
because the springs stay hot all year round. So it was like this shisty little like, like, it's not like it was just like, like a cement thing. Like you would think of a bath. Like there were like gross mossy rocks. There's like tons of crayfish down in there. Uh-huh. And there's a big old snapping turtle that lives in there. So like, it was always like fenced off, but supposedly George Washington took a bath in there. It was pretty cool. Huh. Did anybody ever call the turtle George? Like I would have called the turtle George. No, I think his name was like Frank or something. Um, George so. would be so much better. Uh, you can <laughs> yeah. petition. <You> should. <laughs> and then I Change. always said in high school, our mascot was Indians. I was like, well, we should just go to the town of Bath and say, we want to be called the bathtubs. <gasps> the bathtubs. <laughs> Please call us the bathtubs. No. Yes. That's terrible. There's a place in West Virginia, their high school is called Polka, and their mascot is the Dots. Oh, my goodness. It's awesome. I I'm just, like if it was called the bathtubs, like the mascot, I'm like, would it just be a giant bathtub? Yeah, it would be like one of those big cast iron bathtubs with like muscly arms. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like. I don't and the know. cheerleaders' pom poms would be loofahs. Yeah. <laughs> See, Cheryl's on. There we go. <laughs> we fixed it. And like, it has one of those back scrubbers. <laughs> yes. Holding it in its mouth, like with an angry look on its face. <laughs> Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, no problem. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to come up with a graphic by Tuesday. <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's all we had. <laughs> what was that? The first college I went to was Finley, and mm-hmm. their mascot is the Oilers, like, like oh an oil, goodness. like an oil thing. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Yeah, there's not even oil in Finley. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed every time. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's the, all we have for this episode. So I hope everybody enjoyed it. And thank you so much, Beth, for hanging out with us and sharing your love of history and re-sparking mine a little bit. All right. Bye, bye everybody. Bye. 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 bye.